Now, what a great way to start a morning with a little bit of the flying lizards and money. You got to think I'm starting a little bit zany, and I think you're, you're going to follow me there. I won't keep you there forever. As Jeff introduced me, my name's Trevor. I've been around for a while. I'm generally part of the teaching team, and I come up and ask for your money every month or so. So I thought, oh, I need an intro song. You know the other thing that came with money? It's damn complicated. That's what I thought about. And this song, and, and sort of getting ready for this message, it got me, when did I really start to get into the world of money? So I'm going to wind back the tape. It's 1998. We're looking for our first house. Ooh, we're in Harvest Hills and we're searching. Oh my goodness, we're so giddy. Newlyweds. Ooh, it's just love in our household all the time, 24-7. Don't, don't ask now, but yes, back then it was really, really good. And we started on this trip, because isn't that what you're supposed to do? Like, when you just get married, after you get married, you get a home, right? We're kind of following the societal script. We've got the norm going, and we're out there looking. Oh, my goodness. Oh, the condo. The condo wasn't what we wanted. We found a home that was beautiful, gorgeous, oh, lovely. We actually still have the pictures of said home. But then we had a conversation with the bank. And the bank kind of looked at our finances and, you can't afford this. <laughs> like, you won't be able to make the monthly payments. I think they were gentler about it than that, but it sure felt like that when we got hit with it. We're like, no, 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 this is our home. Look, look this is the blueprints. This is what we want to do here. No. No. Okay. All right. Time to get out there. Undaunted, we kept our search going and we did find this condo. It was a beautiful little condo. And this time we went to the bank and they said, yes! Uh, they had quite a few provisions. They just needed my mom to co-sign, which means as long as another adult was agreeing to actually take responsibility for this thing, just in case we went sideways, oh yeah, we're good. And it was the maximum amount, of course, that we could get at the time. Like, we wanted that condo, so this is the maximum amount. There were warning signs, but we were just going forward, very happy at that point. And after moving in, oh, beautiful, beautiful new place. We couldn't keep driving the old Ford Granada into the garage. Look up Ford Granada if you want a real feel for what an 81 green Ford Granada would look like. You can't drive that into a new home. So six months into this, we go to the car dealership, and the car dealership is like, oh, you're both working? Great! We'll give you a car. My mom didn't even have to sign. I'm like, well, this is wonderful. So we're now in our beautiful home, got a beautiful new car, making mortgage payments, making car payments, and there's no money left. Like, none. Both working full time, none. Have you ever been stressed financially? Like, I mean, really? stressed. Like money's so tight, you're just worried about paying all of the bills. Maybe you jumped in with us, maybe you just got the new home and you're like, oh my goodness, is the cash flowing out? The new car payments, it's just started to come out and you're like, that's, where's the rest? What if you got laid off or you got ill? What if suddenly there's a divorce? Oh, now you got half and Have you been stressed financially? Like, ugh. Like, I think back and we couldn't afford to do anything else. 
When I say we couldn't afford, I remember one very memorable dinner we thought we'd saved up for it, and we go to the sushi restaurant, we both love sushi, and we open the menu, and we look at the prices, and we ordered one roll, and the tea, left afterwards and ate at McDonald's. Like, that was what we could barely afford at that point. Like, could we do anything else? Could we travel? We could barely put money in the gas tank of the car to go places. Forget about getting outside and doing other things. It was keeping me awake. I remember one evening, deep sleep, and all of a sudden I was awake and I'm like, oh my God, the mortgage payments come out tomorrow. Is there enough in the bank? Oh, the water payments on Thursday. Oh, is it going to cover? Oh. Like, I don't, I talk to other people. It sucked. It totally sucked. But I don't think it's just us. Like, when I ask people if they've been stressed out financially, they said, do you mean today? Like, right now? Or, like, when are you talking about, right? Like, it wasn't just us. And the money in the month, man, it was trying to get them to align. It was hard. We wanted to do things. We wanted to go have fun. We couldn't. And that was the challenge. We found ourselves in this lovely place where we were locked in. Where we were locked in. Anything goes wrong in this financial house of cards that we built? We built. See, if you think back, the bank had kind of warned us, hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. The car dealership hadn't given us any warning, but I don't remember anyone dragging me to the car dealership and saying, sign here or die, right? We had done this. And yet now when the piper was coming due, we were in debt. I wish I could say up to my eyebrows, but you can see what happened to my hairline, right? That's how far the debt went. Like, it just went. And stuff that felt so important to us at the time, I remember we just weren't thinking about the cost. Eh. And yet we longed for flexibility. We wanted to set off on adventures. You can adventure if you've got a little bit of money, but if you've got a little bit of money and a lot of debt... There ain't any of any adventures. I don't know. We were newlyweds. This is what we thought we were supposed to do. Like, don't you get married, buy a house, buy a car? Isn't there a three-month salary guideline on how big the rings are supposed to be? Like, isn't this how it's supposed to work? And we'd fallen right into this trap. Like, right in, full in, all the way. I really wish this idea from my spiritual ancestors would have popped up maybe before we did all this. You know, as we look, money comes up a lot in the Bible. This is, this is a harsh quote. The borrower is the slave of a lender. The slave. This is 2021. Do we even use that word anymore? Slave? But let's think back. My situation at that time. We got to pay the bank, we got to pay a car company, we had all these utility bills and other things. Who were we working for? Like, there didn't feel like there was any money left for us to do anything with. We had borrowed, and we were locked in. Who was running our lives at that point? Sure didn't feel like us. So what's that warning saying, actually? Like when you lock yourself into long-term debt and you may suddenly find that life happens, like COVID. 
that job loss and illness and divorce, maybe you want a baby. Maybe you want to go on a trip. Like, how does that happen? Because suddenly it'd be great if the car payments would just go away or if the mortgage was done, but they're there. We signed up for them. <sighs> we didn't have any flexibility. We were essentially slaves to who lent us the money. Just got to shake that off. Because <laughs> after being at that max financial stress for just over a year, I decided it's time to go into a different field. I need to open my own business. Well, it seems like a brilliant thing. Don't people do that when they want less financial stress? Isn't that generally what happens? <laughs> and I started working in the financial field. What was good is it became quickly apparent I was not alone. Other people were also feeling this level of financial angst and stress, so that was good. And we kept going, and the money pressures just started to ease. Now, I wish I could tell you we did something magical, like oof, Harry Potter wand-waving magic. We did nothing like that. We just started to pay some things back, and nothing bad happened. Like, nothing bad happened. And the locks, the cuffs, they came off. I didn't think they went away as I think back to it, but they started to diminish. I think maybe like the joys of childbirth, like you just forget how painful it was and you go and come back into it. And maybe like the joys of childbirth, it would have been good to remember it. Maybe I should have looked at my Proverbs verse again and the borrower is a slave to a lender. Because now I'm working in the financial field. I've seen how painful it was to not have choices. There's no way we could get ourselves in this again. Could we? 2003, we bought our lovely infill in Montgomery. It's a beautiful home. You know what's funny? We weren't, we weren't house shopping. Oh. Fall of 2002, I remember my wife's cousin and her husband said, hey, we've got some finalists we want you to take a look at for homes. Can you come take a look and give us your opinion? Now, I still to this day do not know what we did to de deserve that unique honor. Oh, they need our opinions on houses. But I remember the one we walked into in Mount Pleasant. And my wife and I are like, what? Like, this, this bay window? You could put a reading chair like right here. This would be gorgeous. And this main floor open concept, like you could have the best parties. And then we went upstairs to the master suite and we're like, the bed would go there. You could easily have like a couch here. There's so much space. But who were we shopping for again? Turns out it was us. Within two months of helping them do their finalists, we decided, hey, we need to put our condo on the market and let's go in. We need to get an infill like that. And five years earlier, we had realized the, the problem and the price of flexibility, so we were not going to fall into that trap again. So we go to the bank. Hey, we'll lend you all the money this time. I'm like, oh, things are getting better. Woo! Um, we'd be more comfortable if an adult would also sign on for you. We're like, well, okay, but yeah, I think we're in a better shape, so that's, that's great. And then we didn't want to pay, you know, housing fees, so we had that, you know, car payment still to do and some line of credit. So we decided we should take a loan from the in-laws to pay that off. This, what, what the hell? To be clear, my mom had to sign that she'll be responsible for the payments. If we can't make all the payments, she's on the hook. And in order to get the house that we wanted, my in-laws had to come up with cash. Why not do this? Like, wow, that's a great idea. And you know what? No joke. Within six months of moving in, 
the car just didn't fit in the garage anymore. We needed a new car. So off we go to the dealership. We couldn't continue to drive an old Stratus into the new house. What? Like, at this point, we're paying the bank, the car dealership, and we added my in-laws to this time, because that seems fun to all your in-laws. And I'm a slave again. And I'm back in that, have you ever found you've been stressed financially? And I'm like, well, no, Trevor, you've been here before. Didn't we talk about how stressful and icky and terrible and what in the heck are you doing? Like, and you're in the financial field now. You see what happens to people who get into these positions. Like, why are you here? And at this point, we also thought, like, I think we should have a baby. Babies don't cost any money. So we're both working full time totally looking out for ourselves into payments, getting this little person coming into our lives. We're two adults trying to make ends meet, and it's back to craft dinner dining again. Like, that's becoming the default, because we've got to pay so many people before we can do anything. What the hell? Funny, the song just repeats about money, money, money. The best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. Your love gives me such a thrill, but your love won't pay my bills. The song just wants money. That's all it's asking for. That's the whole purpose of the song. And you know, and Gregory talked about this, when a song's kind of banging around in his head for a little while and it has a purpose, this one's been sitting at the back of my brain for about a year. Like, what is this song saying? What is this song saying? Like, I don't think it's the most profound piece ever, but it was nudging me in a direction. And I'm like, oh, I I get it. It's not asking how I get the money. It's just saying, go out and get it. It doesn't matter if you have to go to the bank or the car dealership or the in-laws. Just go get the money. Just sign up. Sign up for a car lease for 750 bucks a month. Meh, it can't be changed for four years, but at least you got the car. Or lock into a $3,000 a month mortgage payment for 25 years, but at least you have the house you're committed to for 25 more years. Just get the money and get the stuff. There's no warning in this song about what happens afterwards. There's no talk of consequences. And this locks us in and can ensure that we have to work every month just to pay back those people we borrowed from. That's why this song was banging in my head. School taught us a lot about money, right? You guys all remember debt calculations in school? It wasn't just me. Like, no one, like, do you guys remember the two trains? If they leave the stations at different times, what time will they meet? Like, we're doing that calculation, and the correct answer, by the way, is check the train schedule. But no one talks about amortization or interest. And all of a sudden, when we start to get out into the adult world of money, we don't come with a lot of direction. There's a lot of societal pressures to get the house, get the car, get the stuff. And boy, it, like, it can get you all the time. A couple years ago, we are getting ready for our big 45th year trip. Five years ago, to be exact, if, we have to, if you want to be precise. Um, so we're all getting a bit older. This is a group I've been getting together with since high school. We've been traveling for a bit. And we've been talking about this trip for two years. But now, we're three months away, and money has to hit the travel agent. So I need to tell you about the Smiths and the Jones. The Smiths and the Jones, but they are real people. The Smiths had kind of caught on to this financial slavery thing. 
Because it's funny what people reveal over a glass of wine. Eh, yeah, we paid off the mortgage. Yeah, our cars are paid for. That was dismiss. Because right before that money's supposed to hit the travel agent, both the husband and the wife get laid off. Like, oh, financial stress, that's got to be crazy. The Joneses. Remember funny things over a glass of wine? Because it was at that same meal. The Joneses mentioned that their big, beautiful new home, and it is gorgeous, en suites for everybody. Like, it's a dream place. It's pretty much mortgage to the max. And the Joneses, they needed a brand new high-end SUV to go into the new home. Hey, listen, I'm not throwing rocks. I know how that works. That's how it's supposed to go. And so they'd fallen into the money trap. They're both working and making like vice president salaries. There's big dollars flown into there. But is the dollar supposed to hit the travel agent? Jones is working, Smith's laid off. Who do you think puts cash on the table? It's the Smiths. They're not in financial slavery. They didn't have to check with the bank and say, can we do this? With the car or lease, can we do this? No, they had cash. They could do it. And they were happy to come with us on that trip. You know, I appreciate at least the honesty of the Joneses because I'd been there, you've known my situation, I've been there a couple times. I don't know that I would have had the courage to own up and say, hey, our payments are too big. Like, we can't, we can't pony up for this trip. I might have hid behind some other excuse, but they were transparent at least. That was a very painful moment. There is a cost to financial slavery. You know, as we think about that, what I'd like us to think about is debt. And maybe it can keep you from being flexible. Now, as Jeff was talking about, if you're new to Friends Church or you've been coming here forever, there's no lists. You can only do these behaviors, these are prohibited, these are in, these are out. We absolutely believe everybody's spiritual journey is unique, and we all start at this at a different point. So I'm not saying that that is either good or bad. I have one question. That question doesn't come with any answers. Just one question that I want us all to consider the next time we think about that. Do you want to be a slave? Whew. Even as I say that, that's heavy. Do you want to be a slave to the home, a car, a trip that maybe you've got to pay for for four years afterwards? It doesn't come with an answer. It really doesn't. There's not a right or wrong. There's not only one or the other. But those harsh words, I think back talked about this with my wife. She's like, I'm not sure those words would have jolted us out, Trevor, but I appreciate the idea. <laughs> they're harsh, but they're really trying to make me uncomfortable. They're trying to say, hey, if you're signing up for a 25-year mortgage, maybe you should be uncomfortable. Maybe not being happy about that situation or really asking yourself some hard questions. Like, who do I want to make decisions for me in the future? Do I want it to be the bank? Do I want it to be the car dealership? I certainly don't want it to be my in-laws. Maybe you want it to be your in-laws. But do we want that, or do we want to make our own decisions?
Do we really want this? Are there other ways we could get it? You know, as I think about, I was raised Catholic. So if you're raised Catholic, every time you see a Bible quote, it always comes, I think, with finger pointing, like thou shalt not. Very good at this whole sin thing. And when you look at that, the borrower was a slave to the lender. And if you look at that through that type of lens, oh, it's very uncomfortable. But what if you had a really good friend, like a really good friend who knows you well, knows your family and says, hey, do you really want that? Is this really what you want to do? Are you thinking about having kids? Are you wanting to go on travel? Like, do you really want this? What if a friend was just warning us? What if that's it? What if a friend was just warning us and saying, hey, just stop for a moment and think, do you really want to sign up for this? Do you want to really want to give up that much financial flexibility? And then if they're a good friend, they don't give you any answers. They're not pushing you in any direction. They just want to let you know that, hey, they see you, that you've been heard, okay, and go forward. You know, when Vince said, hey, Trevor, what kind of message would you like to do this summer? I said this one. Because <clears throat> I've seen financial slavery take people out. <laughs> I've seen it take people out. It's not just about missing a trip, maybe. In 2003, I'm, I'm meeting with a family the Wongs, and they just had bought a home, and they just had their baby. And boy, I could easily relate how tight money was. But you know, I'm looking back to the file notes, and there's only two goals that they had. They wanted to put their son through university, <clears throat> and they wanted to pay off their mortgage. Those are their two goals from 2003, their goals. June 2021, just last month, get a phone call. Their son's been accepted to university. Super excited. I mean, this family values education. It's awesome. And we should be celebrating because they've always wanted to pay for that first degree. But when we go to take out the education plan, there's almost nothing there. It's, it's not going to cover the first semester. What happened? Well, the Wongs had life happen to them. There'd been a couple of job insecurities, some new car purchases, a renovation or two that had to get done. And essentially, the bank and their lenders were telling them, hey, can you put some money to education? They wanted to, and they couldn't, and they couldn't, and they couldn't, and they couldn't. And we get to this year, and there's nothing there. Their other goal about paying off the mortgage? Well, because all these things had happened, they'd swept all their debts in, which seems like a great idea, twice. Twice. They have a bigger mortgage than they actually purchased the house at 18 years later. When I say take them out, I mean take them out. Like their financial stress is still there. Their financial flexibility is non-existent and like not having enough to do something that you had wanted for your family 
that could be what the price of financial slavery is. We got out of financial slavery twice because nothing knocked down the house of cards. No John Bloss, no illness, no divorce. Feels a bit like luck to me. But I work with people all the time who didn't get so lucky. Like the Joneses who suddenly find they can't afford a trip. But to me, that, that absolutely pales in comparison beside the Wongs who can't now afford to send their, their son through university. Do you want to be a slave too? That's about as ugly a question as you can create. But if we have a chance to jolt myself, to jolt us, maybe it's really good that we have an ugly question that doesn't come with an easy answer. My hope, and there is a hope in this one, for myself included, is that we start to become deliberate about building financial flexibility into our lives so that we don't build house of cards. What would it be like if we weren't financially stressed? What would that be like? Is it possible we'd be able to make our worlds just a little bit better? That we'd have the energy to make our world a bit better. If that feels possible to me this morning. And making the world a little bit better, because we're not under stress, I could get behind that. Go out and have a great morning, guys.